what we do, we just go out and we swarm. We play together and uh, we care about each other and it makes it easy to go out there and fight. CCR number 89, December 9th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by PanthersFans.com. Cats fans, get your Carolina Panthers fix with all the guys and gals over at PanthersFans.com. Stay up to date with all the latest news, transactions, and discussions only at PanthersFans.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, hot stop! 89's in the building. Still on the mission, though. Still on the mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Rock Hill Herald beat writer Darren Gant. Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. We head back across the pond in our check around the web, and we have a recap of the victory over the Bucks. Rosario tight end on the right, motions to the left. Here's the handoff to Stewart, bounces it left side, lowers his head. Big pile, he keeps pushing, close to the goal line, touchdown, he's in! Casey takes a deep breath, one last look at the uprights. Good snap, good spot, the left foot does its job, he's done it! This will be a 21-yard field goal attempt by Connor Bart. Low snap dug out by brand new holder and punter, Sam Palestio, and it's good. Low snap again, and here's the kick for it. It's got plenty of leg, and it's good, Connor Bart. It's a fake handoff to Cadillac Williams, and a throw, intercepted. Intercepted at the goal line, John Beeson. Beeson to the 10, the 15, the 17-yard line. 40-yard field goal for John Casey from the right half. The left-footed kicker has it up, and it is good. Freeman in the gun. Takes the snap, straight drop, sets his feet. Sidearm throw, picked off, intercepted once again by the linebacker, John Beeson. Beeson upfield, 20, stops, cuts left, spins down at the 21-yard line. Here's the snap. Freeman, short drop, looking end zone, still looking, looking. Now he pumps it end zone, intercepted. Picked off by Chris Harris. Flat back, takes the snap, play action fake, long down the far side. Steve Smith's open, he's got it. Smith, 25, 20, taken down. 13-yard line. 23-yard John Casey field goal. This is making a two-possession game. Snap. Spot. Casey drills it. And it's good. Carolina gets five wins on the season now to go with seven losses. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. It's a W, I guess, no matter how bad it looked. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. No Jake DeLome, thanks to his broken finger. Enter Matt Moore. The kid didn't play that poor, actually. He started the game 4 for 4, then cooled off, but still finished 14 of 20 for 161, no scores and one interception. Maybe this wasn't the best way to test the youngster versus one of the league's worst teams, and then again, maybe it was. There's no official word on whether it will be Moore or DeLome this weekend versus the Patriots. Also sitting out the Bucks game was D'Angelo Williams. Jonathan Stewart stepped up and delivered 26 carries for 120 yards and the game's only touchdown. Defensively, this one was a case of taking the good with the bad. Tampa Bay amassed 469 yards of total offense, but the defense always seemed to have them right where they wanted them each time they got close. Rookie quarterback Josh Freeman tossed up five interceptions, two going to John Beeson and both inside the 10, while Chris Gamble, Chris Harris, and Charles Godfrey each had one pick apiece. Not the prettiest game any of us will ever witness, that's for sure, but it will count the same as any other win. Too bad hardly anyone was there to witness it, but that doesn't mean that the fans don't have their opinions. Let's give them center stage. Hello. 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 Who's there? It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Cat Crave Radio, great show again as always. This is K7 Roger. In reference to Mr. Matt Moore, well, he hasn't really showed us anything because heck, we haven't played anything when he anyone why why he was playing. He, we were playing Tampa Bay people. Tampa Bay, and if it was not for their poor quarterback and their poor coaching, we would have got beat by at least two touchdowns. Thank goodness the defense 
uh, had enough guts to step in front of balls thrown right to them and had enough guts to catch the balls that was thrown right to them. But, uh, yeah, that, if you're happy about that game, uh, I don't know what to say to you. You need help. But uh, let's hope we get a coach change next year and everything gets better. Hopefully Matt Moore will play good this week coming up against the Patriots, but we'll see. This will be, I think, his first real test with the receivers we have right now who are not really getting open. Uh, they get open every once in a while, but uh, Moose is too slow, Steve is too discouraged, and we don't have a number three. Or actually, we don't have a number two. Well, anyway, have a good day. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is G-Man. Um, I, I just got back from the game. Um, yeah, you, you think I'd be happy after this one, but I'm, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm just tired of wasting my money every year on, on boring chicken crap John Fox Panther football. I'm just I'm tired of having to get wasted every Sunday to enjoy this crap. I'm just tired. Well, actually, I don't really mind that too much, but, you know, at bottom line is I'm just, I'm tired of John Fox. You, you need to pack up your crap and get out of here tonight. I, I don't care where you go, but you just can't stay here anymore. I'm, just, I'm tired of it. Go pack up. When you pack, make sure you take all those little puppets with you, too. Danny Crossman and Ron Meeks, Jeff Davidson. You guys can go join a Swickus or something. I don't, I don't care what you do. You just can't stay here anymore. Go go start your own Muppet show. John Fox, you can be Miss Piggy and and Danny Crossman can be Gonzo and, and Jeff Davidson can be that stupid bear that says Waka Waka all the time. I don't remember what his name was, but the bottom line is you guys need to get the hell out. I'm I'm tired of this. Another satisfied customer of John Fox. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate you guys listening. And thanks for speaking up about the team, no matter what your feelings, good or bad. And that Miss that Miss Piggy thing, that one, well, that really got me. Thanks again. Okay, the next call we've got is actually not about the team, but about our show. One of our listeners was kind enough to call in and give us these thoughts. Hey, John. This is Rick from Wisconsin calling. And I'm a big Carolina Panther fan, even though I live in Wisconsin. And this call isn't about the team as much as it is about the show. I really appreciate the job you do. I like how you put the program together. You have a good voice, good delivery, and good coverage of all the things. And I enjoy hearing the interviews that you do and learning more about my favorite team. Being not from the area and not getting to see as much media coverage, I look forward every week to downloading Cat Crave Radio and listening to it. So thanks for the good job you're doing. As always, we appreciate all of you for listening and for calling in to voice your thoughts on the CCR Hotline. We really are grateful to have all of you out there with us each week. If you want to join in with your thoughts, give us a call at 206-350-9673. The hotline is open every hour of every day, and it's a great way to release the stress a season like this one can cause. That number is 206-350-9673. The win improves the Panthers to 5-7 and seven on the season. Forget the division as the Saints just wrapped up the title, officially going from worst to first, yes, typical for the NFC South. Carolina is now one game back of the struggling Falcons, and their playoff chances are slim but they're mathematically alive. Up next is a trip to Foxborough, Massachusetts to take on the New England Patriots. I thought, you know, something to build on. You know, he hasn't been in a long time, and I thought he threw with pretty good velocity. Uh, made, for the most part, pretty good decisions. Uh, you know, there's a couple things we need to clean up, but all in all, I thought uh, he played well enough for us to win, and that's key. Pressure, I, I try not to feel it. Just kind of take it slow and, and take what they give us. I don't know what Coach Fox is decision is or or you know i'm gonna i'm gonna prepare as a starter if i'm not so be it and we're just gonna move on just like this week and um, get ready to go and we'll talk about them later but i just that's how we're gonna do it I think. it's time for the panther preview it's a mixed bag the coach will not commit to his quarterback he won't say who he won't say if matt moore was good enough it is what it is stats are for losers 
all that stuff. And joining us is Nick Yeoman. Yeoman. John, what's going on? Does it, hold on, does that really surprise you that Fox is being wishy-washy, though? Come on now. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's not. That's what he does best. You know, maybe I'm. Maybe it's not a surprise. I mean, maybe if that's us, you, me, anybody else, maybe we wouldn't commit. I don't know. But uh, if you if you're just going to look at Matt Moore, just that one game, and you were you were just going to take that performance, your thoughts. Let's hear it. What did you think? Finally, the Matt Moore people they 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 got their wish, and he got to play. So what did you think? think he played too bad. I'm not going to crown him, you know, Mr. Future Franchise Quarterback for the Carolina Panthers because I don't think anyone really thinks that that'll ever be a realistic goal for him, but I thought he played okay. 14 of 20 is pretty efficient. He was on the money with quite a few of his throws. I mean, he overthrew Smitty once. He had an interception, but you got to remember with, with, you know, you got to remember what we had before Matt Moore, and, uh, and I don't think it's that big of a deal that he came in and threw an interception, but I really don't think he played that bad, John. I know he's probably not the answer for the future, but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna degrade it the way he played on Sunday. All these people wanted him to play. The fans, there were so many fans. Every message board I have looked at in the last two years, at some point there is somebody yelling, "Put in Matt Moore. We want Matt Moore." The odd thing is, you got dozens and dozens of people out there yelling this, and nobody shows up for the game. Plenty of good seats still available. I guess we should all respect the people who show up in 40-degree weather, whatever it was, to watch two losing teams play against each other, you know? Well, yeah, and, and, and a bigger issue than we could certainly talk about this for an entire show is the whole PSL situation and who actually gets those tickets and who actually gets the opportunity to go to the games. A lot of times it's not the true diehard Panthers fans, but... You know, I mean, the fans that did show up, they supported their team. And, hey, Matt Moore, the backup quarterback, is always the most popular player. It's that old saying. And, and I, I do. I think it's a good chance that he got an opportunity, though, because Jake DeLone was not helping this team anymore winning ball games, And he wasn't just, you know, managing the game either. He was losing them games. So it was time for Matt Moore to get a shot. All right. At least we've got one good piece of news out of this game, and that is that one of the classiest people – that exists anywhere in this league or that I've ever met, and I only had the chance to meet him for a few minutes, and that's John Casey, now over 400 field goals in his career. He's moving up the all-time scoring list, so we should just take our hats off to John Casey and give him a big salute. Yeah, oh, absolutely. John's been a very consistent kicker for the Panthers. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people that when I bring up the name John Casey, they bring up the misfortunate thing that happened in the Super Bowl, but you cannot overlook uh, the consistency and, and the leadership that he's brought uh, as a kicker, a very religious, noble guy, and uh, and absolutely fantastic to see John, you know, make a little history and uh, make his mark as far as not just with the Panthers, but league-wide. With his 400, I just wouldn't have thought it. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to put up a larger number of uh, of offensive yards against the Panthers than John Casey would have in career field goals. I never thought it would happen, but 469 are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, unbelievable numbers. And, and when you're putting up that many offensive yards, you're probably thinking, okay, what, 28, 31, 35, 38 points you gave up? But the Panthers only gave up six points. I mean, Tampa Bay was, you know, they were great from their own goal line to about the Panthers' 20, and then once they got in the red zone, Josh Freeman did his best Jake DeLome impersonation. So, yeah, unbelievable. One of those games that when you look at the box score, it's not going to make sense. It never will until you look at that big five interceptions that Josh Freeman uh, threw. But, yeah, the Panthers' defense, I mean, up and down day making plays. But, boy, they were giving up quite a few yards. So we've got the 469 out there. Maybe I got a little ahead of myself. Let's grade the defense against those wonderful Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, I think you have to give them a B considering the circumstances and the fact that they did buckle down and they made plays, especially John Beeson. I mean, you know, the week that he had to go through with the legal off-the-field issues and, and for him to come out and get two interceptions flying all over the place was impressive. I can't give him an A because, like you said, the yardage issue was, was a problem big time, but... To force Josh Freeman to throw five picks, I think a lot of that uh, falls on the shoulders of the defense, making plays in the scheme that Ron Meeks threw at him. So I'll give the defense a beat. And then we've talked about Matt Moore, and, I mean, a, a decent showing, respectable 
I think 14 of 20, had 161 yards, no touches, but he did have the one pick, but did okay. And then you got Jonathan Stewart, had a decent day. So how would you grade the offense? Uh, I'd give the offense a C. I mean, Matt Moore was decent, nothing flashy, nothing special. Uh, way too many drives that stalled out for the Panthers and only put up 16 points. was a little disappointing, but I think it's still salvaged with the fact that you mentioned Jonathan Stewart had a great, you know, a great game stepping into the uh, official, I guess you could call it official starting role, obviously getting quite a few more carries. And then how about Tyrell Sutton? I mean, I thought he was a nice little spark, a guy that I don't think really many people heard, knew anything about him coming into the season, and, and he filled that uh, that number two running back spot pretty pretty well. So I give the defense a C. The only question is what happened to Mike Goodson. Uh, let's step aside for just a minute. We'll take a break. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we'll be doing the interview with Darren Gant. We'll be going across the pond for our Around the Web segment. And in just a minute, Nick and I will be back and we'll look ahead to the Patriots. Questions? Comments? Send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. The Crave returns in a moment. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boom or Bust, and with us once again for the game, it is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game? Yes, I am, John. Let's start you off with Drew Brees versus the Falcons. Well, Drew Brees and the Saints just keep winning, and the biggest reason has to be that right arm of Drew Brees. The Falcons' secondary... They've been dreadful all year, and quarterbacks have had some monster days against them. I don't see that being a problem for Breeze. I think he has another standout day, and he booms against Atlanta. Cedric Benson versus the Vikings. Well, the Vikings defense, I mean, they got torched last week against Arizona, but it was through the air, not on the ground. Uh, The league's third-best rushing defense should step their game up. They lost linebacker E.J. Henderson, and I think they hold Cedric Benson in check. And they force him to bust. Larry Fitzgerald versus the Niners. Well, Fitzgerald is coming off a monster game against Minnesota. He caught eight passes, 143 yards, and he had a touchdown. Now that the San Francisco 49ers have pretty much been eliminated from playoff contention, I expect them to give up plenty of big plays, uh, which means Larry Fitzgerald is going to boom. Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears. Well, Aaron Rodgers is about as efficient as a quarterback as you're ever going to find. I saw a stat on Monday night that said, in the last two years, he's thrown more than 30 touchdowns in the red zone without an interception. Those numbers are, I mean, they're almost unbelievable. Rodgers has Green Bay guided in the right direction, and I think it continues with a game against the Bears. Vincent Jackson versus the Cowboys. San Diego Chargers are playing great football, but Vincent Jackson hasn't scored a touchdown in four games. I think that's a trend that continues on Sunday. I expect a great effort from the Chargers and Jackson, but I don't see him putting up big numbers against the Cowboys. I think he's a bust. Matt Schaub versus the Seahawks. I think Matt Schaub is a bust as well this Sunday. He had a rough outing against Jacksonville last week. He was knocked out of the game with a shoulder injury on the very first play. Came back in the game after Rex Grossman stunk up the joint, uh, but his team was hurried down 17 points. I think he's going to want to bounce back, but I just don't see it happening. I think Schaub's a bust. Randy Moss versus our Panthers. Well, the Panthers secondary, they've been playing fairly well, but there is no slowing down a guy like Randy Moss. He has five touchdowns in the last five games, but is coming off his second worst game of the season. Had just two catches last week in the loss. That's bad news for the Panthers. Moss will bounce back and boom. Steve Smith versus the Patriots. Uh, It's tough to believe that Smitty has just one 100-yard game, but considering how anemic the quarterback play has been, maybe it shouldn't surprise me. I want to see Jeff Davidson get more creative. Get Steve Smith the ball on an end around, on screens. That means Jeff Davidson has to step up and make a decision, and that's just not going to happen. So Steve Smith, once again, he's a bust. Tom Brady versus our Panthers. The Patriots have lost three or four, and the play of Tom Brady has been nothing short of just average. I mean, in in the four-game stretch, Brady's thrown five touchdowns and five interceptions. I think he has to bounce back this week because the Patriots need to start winning these games. 
the Jets and Dolphins are right on their heels, and I'm sure Brady knows it. I think Brady booms against Carolina. Likely Matt Moore versus the Patriots. Well, why even bother anymore? I mean, quarterback play, <laughs> it's been awful this year for Carolina. Jake's throwing too many picks. Matt Moore isn't going to wow you, so I don't expect anything from Matt Moore. If he is indeed the starter, um, I, I think it's a bust either way. All right. Well, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the game with us once again. Hey, thanks, John. Hi, this is Stephen Davis, and you're listening to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the Panther Preview. Time to look ahead now. <laughs> I wish we didn't have to, honestly. The New England Patriots and our trip to Foxborough, Massachusetts... Nick, I'm going to throw you two statistics. There are a lot of people talking a lot of garbage about the New England Patriots and talking about them having an offseason. I wouldn't mind our team being, you know, in the middle of an offseason like that. But right now, coming into this game, they are 1-5 on the road. They're being outscored by their opponents 138-133. to But 6-0 at home, outscoring opponents 195-86. to Ouch, babe. Yeah, wait, wait. This game's not in Bank of America. You mean they're not going to have that place half filled to watch them? <laughs> I wish. Oh boy, we're, yeah, we're we're Panthers <laughs> are in trouble then because uh, you know that pretty much sums it up. New England, I can't figure them out. I mean, they are having a down season for their standards, but um, in Foxborough and on the road, it is two completely different teams. And unfortunately for all you Panthers fans. Looks like the team's got to travel up to Foxborough this weekend. Could the Panthers, as bad as things are going, and because they're trying a you know a couple of guys here and a couple of guys there, especially a quarterback, are they going to be what could cure all the problems for the Patriots? Probably, I, I think so. I think the fact that the Panthers, realistically, as good as Philadelphia and Green Bay have been playing the last couple of weeks. Any chance of the Panthers making the playoffs, while mathematically still possible, is not going to happen, which means it's probably time to start focusing on, on what you can do uh, to prepare for next year and into the offseason. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's gonna probably going to solve a lot of what's wrong with New England. You know, matchup-wise, the Panthers' secondary has, has been playing well really all season long, and, and maybe that can cause some problems for Tom Brady. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, – well, I don't know what the forecast is going to be up in New England. If it snows – it, probably, it won't matter because if you remember New England torched Tennessee in horrible snowy weather, what seemed like, you know, two or three months ago. So I don't know what the forecast is, but it's not looking good for the Panthers. So Moss, Welker, that whole bunch, we know the names. They, they are pretty much household names by now. Uh, odd that Wes Welker is, but how is our defense going to match up against them? Well, I, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be very easy. It's really not. I mean, the corners are going to have to play great. They're going to have to have great safety help over the top, which, you know, thankfully we saw Charles Godfrey emerge, you know, last week and actually play decent when he got his time back in the lineup. So Sherrod Martin, Chris Harris, they're going to have to play big. But you got to watch out. It's not just Wilker and Moss. It's some of these other guys. Kevin Falk, who's, who's been that, you know, that other guy at New England for so many years. Another guy like Julian Edelman, a guy that came from the Mid-American Conference that's been playing big. So uh, the defense, they're going to have a tough time. I think what really is going to hurt is the, the lack of a lot of experience from the linebackers. And Brady's the type of quarterback where if you give him a little time, he's going to stand there in the pocket, and he's going to find those tight ends right in the middle of the field, the slot guys, Welker, in the middle of the field. And that's really where they're going to hurt you. So defensively, uh, it's not going to be easy for the Panthers. And i got to admit, I mean, just as a fan – I really don't want to see the team lose badly or anything. I want to see them hold their own. And if nothing else, I think there is going to be, for the first time in my life, such a thing as a moral victory if Matt Moore can hold his own against the Patriots. I mean, is is that all you're looking for from the offense, or do you just sort of hope they thump these guys right in the mouth and, and run the football all the time? No, no, I'd, I'd like to see Matt Moore get a little more touches. Like I said, I mean, he, he was fairly efficient in the game against Tampa Bay. Had the one interception, but I would have liked to time see them open up the playbook through that great deep ball to Steve Smith. So maybe let him air it out a little bit. Um, but if the weather, if anything's iffy about the weather, it's going to be key to run the football. So, I mean, I don't know, even if you get a great day from Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, if he's back in the lineup, I still don't know if that's enough. Uh, to beat New England. So, yeah, then you're probably in, in the position where you got to start more, looking for moral victories. And unfortunately, John, when you're looking for moral victories, it means your season's not going very well. So, unfortunately, 
Uh, I think you're right. I think the Panthers are in a, in a place on offense where they got to start looking for moral victories, whether it be offensive linemen, you, you plug in for Jordan Gross here, or you move Duke Robinson or Travell Warden around here and there, or from Matt Morris or Tyrell Sutton, some of these guys, Charlie Martin, some of these wide receivers. I think it's time to start looking for some moral victories. And we'll give you a chance. Here you go. Your prediction. Well, I mean, I, I know that the New England Patriots are not the same team that we've all kind of grown to hate in the past decade, but I think they just have too much talent to drop a game against the Panthers, especially in a situation where they're in, where now they have to start looking at whether they make the playoffs or not. Uh, they're going to get after Matt Moore, forcing the roll out of the pocket, which I thought Matt Moore responded well rolling out of the pocket against Tampa Bay, but this, that was against Tampa Bay, not New England. So if D'Angelo plays and is affected with Jonathan Stewart, then I'll give the Panthers a shot to hang in there, but I, I just don't see it. I'm going to say New England picks up the win 30-14. to 14. And he's been burned on it twice now. So if it comes down to a fourth down decision, your prediction, Belichick goes for it or Belichick decides not to? Uh, against the Panthers' defense, especially up front in the middle with the defensive tackles, I think we've got about 15 of them on IR. I think he goes for it. I think they run it right up the middle. Well, Nick, we appreciate you being with us for the uh, preview, and if we can talk you into sticking around for a pick 'em, sir, uh, we'd appreciate it. Hey, I'd love to, John. Thank you. Oh, we're not done. Cat Crave Radio will return. Recently, I've had a hard time making the house payments. So when the phone started to ring, I didn't pick it up. Now I may lose my house, and I don't know what to do. If you're facing foreclosure, doing nothing only puts you deeper in the hole. Call 1-888-995-HOPE today. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the Ad Council, in this station. It is time to pick some games. Joining us for that is Nick Yeoman. Nick, last week you had a, a, a solid week. You uh, 12 right, 4 wrong for the season. 130 up and 62 down. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I've hit a nice little streak here. Last two or three weeks, you know, middle of the season, it was a little shaky, but uh, I think I'm hitting my stride. Well, let's start you off this week with uh, little Steelers and Browns. Well, I guess we're going to find out pretty early in this game if the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers can really lose five straight ball games, but I just don't see it happening. I know they're struggling, and there's no excuse to lose to teams like Kansas City or Oakland, but the Browns are one of the worst teams, if not the worst in the league. I think the Steelers right the ship on Thursday night in primetime. The Saints and the Falcons. Well, the Atlanta Falcons, they put, in a, they put themselves in a position where they have to win now, or their playoff hopes will wash away, and there's nothing quite like having to face those undefeated New Orleans Saints in a must-win scenario. I think health and lack of depth, I think it dooms the Falcons again, and the Saints keep marching on towards the perfect season. Lions and Ravens. Well, the Baltimore Ravens are 6-6, six and six, and currently on the outside looking into the playoffs, but their favorable stretch to close the season begins now with the Detroit Lions. After that, they play three more teams with 500 or worse records, so I'm not sure how good this Baltimore team really is, but I think they pick up a seventh win this Sunday, and they're going to make things real interesting in the next month. Packers and Bears. Yeah, and one of the oldest rivalries in pro sports. It's a little a late-season edition this year, and I think it goes to Green Bay because of how strong they've looked in the past few weeks. I mean, rivalry games can go either way. I understand that, and I expect Jay Cutler to bring his A game, but I think that Packers defense, they're going to be a little too much for Cutler and the Bears. I'm going to take the pack. Seahawks and Texans. Well, both of these teams have stumbled at times this season. Their seven losses each are more than likely enough to keep them both out of the playoffs, which means the Stars are going to have to take over this game. It's being played in Houston, which means Andre Johnson should play big as long as Matt Schaub can stay off the turf and, and stay uninjured. I'm going to take the Texans at home. Broncos and Colts. Yeah, the Broncos are coming in strong. I mean, they ripped the Kansas City Chiefs apart last Sunday, but playing in Indianapolis is a whole different story. With the win, the Colts wrap up everything you can, meaning home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I don't know if the Colts can pull off a perfect season, but they won't lose to the Broncos at home this Sunday, especially considering how badly Denver's played against the Colts in recent years. So I'm going to take Peyton Manning and the Colts. Dolphins and Jaguars. Well, there's a couple of potential wild card teams battling it out from the, in the AFC, both 
really needing to win. I think Miami gets the, picks up the victory, though. There's always that possibility that the Dolphins suffer a letdown after their big win over the Patriots. But I think they're just too explosive. Ricky Williams has been playing well. Chad Henney's been very impressive. So I think the Dolphins pick up the win over Jacksonville. Bills and Chiefs. Both of these teams just begging for mercy and looking towards the offseason. Unfortunately, they still have to play this football game. The fact that it's in Kansas City should help the Chiefs. I'm seeing a nice game for Matt Castle and Dwayne Bowe en route to a Kansas City victory. Bengals and Vikings. Both of these teams look destined for the playoffs. It should be interesting to see how that Cincinnati rushing game matches up against the Vikings' strong rushing defense. I think Brett Favre shakes off the poor performance against Arizona, and the Vikings get back to their winning ways. Jets and Bucks. I like the New York Jets in this game. After a great start to the season, you know, they hit a major slide, but they've won two in a row and still have an outside shot at making the playoffs. I don't see them making the postseason, but Darrell Revis should have a field day with Josh Freeman throwing the ball. I'm going to take the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Rams and Titans. The poor performance against Indianapolis really hurt Tennessee's chances of making an improbable playoff run to the, you know, after starting 0-6. But they should bounce back nicely against the Rams. Boy, people in St. Louis, they got to be wondering when Albert Pujols and the Cardinals start back up. I'm going to take the Titans. Redskins and Raiders. At times, the Washington Redskins, they don't play like a team that's 3-9. and nine. And then Sean Sweetham shanks a field goal that could upset the Saints, and they look like the team that perhaps shouldn't have even won three games. The Raiders kind of the same boat. I mean, they're not very good, but they found a way to beat the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Steelers all in one season. This is a game many people think Oakland can win, which means I think they lose. I'm going to take Washington. Chargers and Cowboys. And the murderous stretch for the Dallas Cowboys begins in the month of December. Last week, they looked pretty average against the Giants, and I expect them to look even more average against a surging San Diego Chargers team. I like LP and the Bolts to pick up another win as they are focused on grabbing a first-round bye in the playoffs. Eagles and Giants. This is a monster game, monster game in the NFC East with both teams trying to catch Dallas and maybe sneak away with the division. The Giants are just too up and down for me to pick them here. I know they're at home, but remember the 40-17 to beatdown that the Eagles put on Eli and the Giants back on November 1st? I'm going to take the Eagles to win their fourth straight. Cardinals and Niners. Arizona is all of a sudden looking like a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs, and it's because they have that same formula of a great passing game and a defense that's made up of nothing but just great all-around athletes. I don't think they have any problem with the mediocre 49ers on Monday night. The Cardinals looking pretty good, John. We have to do it again. The Panthers and the Patriots. Well, like, like we talked about, I think Brady and Moss going to come in a little worked, a little ticked off, and I think that is bad for the Panthers. If, if the Panthers can run the ball well and they stick to a game plan, then maybe they got a shot because this New England team, I don't want to say they're human, but they have looked uh, like they are a beatable team. But I just think the Patriots going to be a little too much up in Foxborough. Well, Nick, we appreciate you picking the games for us, and we will continue to keep score. Oh, I appreciate it, John. Thank you. revolutionizing the way you listen to your sports. Wait a minute. Who are we kidding? It's just a freaking podcast. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. You know, we've added that new method for you to stay in touch with us, and many people are taking advantage of it. If you're listening to the top of the show, wow. Add your thoughts to the CCR hotline by calling 206-350-9673. Just leave a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts, and then we'd like to play them back on the show. Good, bad, and different. Doesn't matter what you're thinking. Just tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 206-350-9673. You've got mail. It's time to take a trip around the web to check the pulse of Panther Nation. Alright guys, this is Elliot, uh, back from NFL Review UK, short about the Panthers for a bit. thought it was a good win against Tampa Bay the other day, especially um, without uh, D'Angelo, obviously, and without Jake DeLome, but some could argue that probably helped us more than anything. Uh, firstly, Jonathan Stewart had a great day. Um, he's a brilliant player, and to be honest, he could be a first uh, running back on any team. So to have him as a second running back is brilliant. And um, he surely can run the ball without having D'Angelo there as well. 
And also Matt Moore, I thought it was good to see him coming out and not playing conservatively and taking a few risks here and there. He threw some big balls up to Bruce and Steve Smith. And, you know, there are dangerous passes, but I think it's good to see that because you want that from a quarterback from time to time, especially at this point in the season where um, we haven't really got a lot to lose. Uh, Josh Freeman had a terrible day, five interceptions, which is really bad. But I still thought we played alright. I thought the defense was really good. Obviously, Beast having a big day. I think I really like Beast and as kind of a leader on defense. Um, but I think it was good. It was good that we won the game. But you still have to kind of think about things realistically. Um, at the end of the day, we beat Tampa Bay, who is they're not a good football team. And then what's worse is you got to look to the playoffs. And they like last week when we lost to the Jets. I kind of I'd written off the playoffs at that point because I thought, okay, we've lost now and there's no way we're gonna come back. And nine and seven was our best possible result. And will that be enough? Now we're kind of talking about this. It's mathematically possible that we can get to the playoffs, but especially with Green Bay uh, winning last night against the Ravens. Um, it's not good. If you look at our schedule, we've got New England on Sunday, which I've only lost to the Dolphins, but it's in New England, and that's going to be a horrible game. And the week after, we've got a more horrible game against the Vikings, and then we move on to the New York Giants after that. So we've got a horrible, horrible schedule. And I hate to be pessimistic, but honestly, I don't think there's much chance of us making the playoffs this year. I think it's just the games are too hard. Our record's not good enough. I don't think... 9-7 and seven is... Some years are right, but I don't know whether we can do it. But I suppose the benefit of that is it gives us a few weeks to test out these things. Um, obviously, see if Matt Moore can play a good quarterback. Because, um, like, I don't know, the whole him versus Jake thing, I think on Sunday, that he can be a good quarterback. And with the use of training camp and with, you know, the off-season and the rest of this season to try and kind of get more settled in, then we can look ahead to next year, because I honestly think this year's done. But yeah, um, if you want to go on YouTube and search for mine and Matt's videos, search for NFL Review UK, and uh, I hope I'll be back on to talk about the Panthers in the next three weeks. But it's that, guys. Go Panthers. We are joined now by Rock Hill Herald columnist Darren Gant. Darren, it is a pleasure to have you back with us. Anytime, John, but I'm a beat writer. Columnists are a different breed. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, yeah, Tom is the columnist. You are the, the okay, beat writer. Right. There, there are differences. There's a, there's a show pony pack mule difference between columnists and beat writers. And, and you know, if you want to use Tom as an example, I suppose that would be a fair one. And the funny thing is, a columnist normally is the one doing the beating on the dead horse because they write longer stories and really go after a story, whereas, you know, you're going fact one, fact two, you know, I mean, it's funny. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's something to be said for that. Uh, I'm okay being boots on the ground, though. That's uh, that's kind of the, my lot in life, I suppose, John. Well, you keep those boots on the ground because what a game, what a game. Wasn't that great? Um, that was a thrill a minute, wasn't it, boy? Yes, it was. And your thoughts? Okay, Matt Moore, ready for prime time? Uh, prime time what? Well, prime time anything. Prime, prime time football, prime time NBC. I mean, you know, America is probably going to get a chance to see Matt Moore versus Brett Favre. I'm sure that's the matchup uh, NBC dreamed of when they were uh, planning this thing out earlier in the fall, and, and you know what, I mean, if it wasn't for Brett Favre, they would have flexed that game out, even though there aren't that many other attractive alternatives that weren't squatted upon by the network, by the other networks, so, you know, Brett, you know, Matt, you two meet each other, they're going in opposite directions, hey, you know, I don't know, I mean, you, you feel bad banging on Matt, because what's he supposed to do, you know, Matt kind of went out there, Sunday against the Bucks and and just sort of did the thing that they were asking him to do, which was not screw it up. And it was even to the point, I mean, I thought it was kind of startling after the game when John Fox said he, he thought there was going to be a pass down there close to the goal line after Matt hits the big deep ball to Smitty, but Matt pulled the plug on his own pass play and just decided to run and take the field goal. So, you know, whatever you think about John Fox and his conservative offensive tendencies, you know, he certainly beat him in the Matt Moore's head because Matt just, he wanted to get out of that game without making the big, gigantic mistake. And, and you know, he admitted after the fact that seeing Jake blow up all year long kind of played a part in that because 
I think when you write the story of this team this year, you know, the turnovers are going to be central to it because, you know, Jake basically played unlike anyone could have reasonably expected him playing, and, and that was that was sort of the beginning of the end early on. Okay, call me a skeptic. I know that's a shock. Skeptic. You know, yeah, there you go. Jake, man, that finger. There's some of us that think, do I include myself in that? I'm not sure. But Jake's finger hurt, maybe not hurt. Um, No splint. There's just a little tape on it. Okay, maybe if it is hurt, he's flipping people off left-handed in traffic for a while. But did, did it look to you like maybe the guy just, Okay, not really hurt, but this is an excuse to just yank him out of the lineup and put in Matt. Well, the timing was certainly fortuitous for Jake, but um, yeah, he is actually hurt, and he does actually have a broken finger. And Calvin Pace sort of whacked him in the hand and it spread that thing out a little bit. And just from talking to people who saw it on the sidelines, it was sort of twisted around there pretty good. But uh, you know, hey, it's reasonable to it's reasonable to suspect that after. What John Fox said following the Buffalo game that there was going to be a similar line of questioning after the Jets game. You know, it just happened to be when he got hurt. He finished out the game, you know, and that made everybody wonder. But, you know, the injury is legitimate. And I think, to be honest with you, and again, this is my own personal conspiracy theory, John, the next time the Carolina Panthers lose a game and are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, I think Jake's probably going on injured reserve. And you'll see him call up Hunter Cantwell. Because it's, you know, there's nothing to be gained from putting him back in there this season. I think there's, I think there's plenty of reason to give him a chance next year. I mean, you're going to be paying him regardless, so why not keep him around, see if you can fix him. But, you know, I, I don't think there's any point in putting him back in there this year with the cast they've got on hand. Use the time, see if Mac can play. If he can't, you cut bait on him after this season and bring in another quarterback. It's funny, right after that loss to the Jets, uh, Monday becomes Monday and Tuesday became two really odd days because we find out, A, Jake's finger broken, and then we find out about this big saga with uh, John Beeson at a, at a local nightclub after the Atlanta game back in November. So is the Beeson story, is this just beginning, or is this the kind of story that's just going to disappear? Well, no, I don't think it's going to disappear. I mean, the guy has pursued this pretty aggressively. You know, the timing's unusual not to get into too much Roger Cossack legal analyst territory, but the timing was curious in that he shopped a criminal charge around to a couple different magistrates. The police investigated, didn't think there was enough evidence to pursue charges. He finally found a magistrate to sign off on a warrant. You know, and got John arrested. Then the next day, he files a civil suit seeking cash damages. And you know what? We'll see. They'll they'll get their day in court, and this thing will shake itself out. But certainly, I think there's reason to wait for all the facts to come in on this one because you know anybody who wants to believe this was just big bad NFL football player picking on some poor innocent civilian, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot more to this than that. And you know, we'll see once they get into court. And, and that's where this thing will be correctly settled. But, you know, I do think there's reason to withhold judgment. Okay, John Fox is going to tell us stats are for losers. That's one of his lines. It's a John Foxism. But if I'm going to throw a number at anybody, it's 469. The number of yards we gave up to the Bucks. The Bucks. So what's the over-under for the Patriots? I mean, they've got to be licking their chops. Well, I'm guessing that Tom Brady's not going to turn the ball over five times in the red zone. <laughs> Just a guess. I mean, uh, A, he may not get that far, or, you know, he may not have to get as close to the red zone to score. I mean, they've had a lot of success with the deep ball this year. I, but, again, I mean, that's kind of the – that was the ridiculous extreme of Ben, but don't break. You know, it, they definitely didn't break, and, and they played really good red zone defense against a team that had been pretty efficient that close. I mean, the Bucks were second in the league inside the 20, you know, when they had the ball. But, you know, 469 is a lot. And they're – I tell you what, Josh Freeman's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to be a good quarterback for a long time. May end up being the best quarterback out of this rookie class. Uh, he's certainly got a big arm, and he's going to be throwing deep balls against them for a lot of years to come. So – 
I think they better brace themselves for games like that because he's going to be able to move them downfield. You know, again, there were some plays there, some busts that, that made it look like more than it was, but realistically the Bucks were kind of playing catch-up all day long and, and flinging it downfield and then flinging it straight to Panthers as soon as they got close. Well, I'll, I'll throw you a couple of agree or disagree statements, and this Bucks game... I mean, I even saw your tweet on Sunday when you were talking about the grass growing, and it, I'm surprised we didn't get out there with rulers to see how much it had grown during the game. But Stats are for losers, John. Don't worry about things like that. That's right. Stats are for losers. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. So on to the statement. Agree or disagree, the Bucks win was the least satisfying victory you can remember. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot to look at. I mean, you know, racking my brain really quickly – it's just, I mean, it was just the whole game was kind of meh. And, you know, the Bucks are going to be okay probably sooner rather than later. They just don't have enough good football players. The Panthers let them hang around. You know, it was kind of the old, it was the flip of the old John Fox recipe when he took that team over in 2002 of you're not as talented as the other guys, so you clutch, you grab, you keep it close, and hope to make a play at the end. Well, you know, the Bucks were in position where a play at the end or two plays at the end would have them right back in it or winning that game. And, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, the Panthers are out there. They've got one wide receiver to speak of. No D'Angelo Williams. Matt Moore starting at quarterback. I mean, you just kind of got the sense they were holding their breath and getting their head down and trying to push through as best they could without any damage. So, you know, I guess mission accomplished. It just wasn't much of an artistic success. Okay, now looking back, I'm going to look back before um, I ask this next one or throw you another agree or disagree. Immediately after the 07 season, Jerry Richardson had Marty Herney and John Fox meet with him out on Lake Norman, which is just north of Charlotte. Actually, Lake James, for uh, the sake of accuracy. Lake James, okay. I sit corrected. Um, back in back in my old hood, I love Lake James. Beautiful place. Though. Yeah, it's a nice place. Very nice. So he's he's got them at his his multi million dollar home, and they decide one thing: we want the team to be remade in the image of the Steelers, big, physical, nasty. You know. Okay, agree or disagree? Since that meeting in early winter '08 or midwinter '08, this team is now farther away from being like the Steelers than they were then? Well, if you look at the Steelers and the way they're playing right now, I don't know that I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> you know, this thing's cyclical. They were up last year. You know, their track record shows that, you know, this was bound to be the down year. So, you know, last year looked pretty good. And last year the script played itself out almost perfectly. I think, I think if you look at this thing with an honest eye, the personnel – is certainly here for this to still be that kind of team. I mean, if you've got Jordan Gross, Jeff Ota, Travell Wharton, Ryan Khalil, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, Brad Hoover, you're going to be able to run the football, Yet, regardless of who's at quarterback, regardless of who's at wide receiver. I think that cast of characters, you know, are all going to be back next year, uh, with the only possible exception being Hoover. I don't know how much longer he's going to have left. Uh, certainly they need him or somebody like him because I don't know if Tony Fiametta's ready. I think fullback's a position that's going to take a couple years for him to get up to speed and play at the level we're accustomed to see Brad Hoover playing. But this team still ought to be able to run and still can run. I mean, they they ran well. I mean, they took the air out of the ball on Matt Moore. They weren't going to let him do a lot with it. And even without D'Angelo, Jonathan had a great day. So, you know, they've got multiple backs and a good offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, it still looks like the Steelers, but the Steelers don't look like the Steelers. We do have a lot of time to talk about this team and what might happen for next year, new coaches, maybe new players in and out. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of that, so we've got months to talk about it. And I know you've got some things to do this afternoon. If you would, pass along our best to the Pac-Man. Would you do that? We always do. We always do. We enjoy doing that show and uh, having an audience with the fan base. It's always a good time. Oh, I'm sure he knows who I am, right? Naturally. You're big time, John. <laughs> right. Sure. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> you, you know, you see who I'm talking to first today. How about that? Yeah, okay. All right. I See, I'll, I'll take that. We'll take whatever we can get. But we're on the way to the studio, so whatever that's worth to you. All right, Darren. We do appreciate number, you taking you're time. You're number one in my heart, John. Well, 
Thank you, Darren. We, we appreciate that very much. We really do. You got it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for being with us, Darren. Anytime, John. This season will end soon enough. When it does, sure, we'll all miss football and we'll wish we could watch a Panthers game eventually. But with how the 2009 Carolina Panthers have looked and played, is it a terrible thing to wish this was over already? And do the players believe there's something to play for? You know, sometimes the smallest advantage can help win games this late in the year, and, well, the Patriots have a one-game lead in the AFC East and a solid shot at the playoffs. The Panthers, eh, not so much. My prediction, New England 35, Carolina 17. I want to thank Darren Gant for taking time to talk to us. Read Darren's reports in the Rock Hill Herald. My appreciation to Elliot Ford for taking part in Around the Web. Elliot can be located on the interwebs at YouTube by searching for NFL Review UK. As always, my thanks to Nick Yeoman for playing such a huge role this week. You know, we've established just how awesome he is, and apparently we've also established that we couldn't do the show without him. Check out Nick's videos on YouTube. He can be found by looking up Big Nick 2700 Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. When you find us there, drop some review love on us if you have a minute. And Twitter, yes, give us a follow over there. Find us at twitter.com slash catcraveradio. And one more time, just for good measure, I suppose I won't wear it out. Give us a call anytime on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. Leave your thoughts, your rants, your raves, whatever. We'll play them right here on the show. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game. Hey! Hey!